My name is Agya Mathur, and I am the CEO and co-founder of Avia, the hormone health brand. Femtech, to me, is an opportunity, an opportunity to bring attention, research, and funding to solve pain points for people who have been undervalued and under-researched in the healthcare system by working with them and for them. I hope that soon this population will be equally valued and Femtech just becomes tech. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today's episode was brought to you by Withem. It's a forward-thinking, technology-driven advisory and accounting firm committed to helping companies be more profitable, efficient, and productive in today's complex business environment. Witham's dedicated Femtech team is proud to partner with members of the Femtech community. Get to know their team at witham.com backslash femtech. This episode was also supported by Afterglow, which is my new favorite wellness hack for more orgasms. And when I need a little help getting in the mood, I go to Afterglow. I watched their film Lip Service this weekend and it was hot. Afterglow is emerging porn and sexual wellness with their films, guided masturbations, how-tos, and more. Head to www.xoafterglow.com and use promo code FEMTECH for two months of free trial to support an ethically porn site made by women for women. Your pill, even a few hours after the 24-hour mark, drastically decreases its effectiveness. I had no idea. The app automatically records what time you take the pill so you can visually see how you're managing your birth control pills over time. I had a super fun time speaking with Agia on building your company in a public's eye and the consequences of irregular intake of your birth control. Enjoy! Hey, Agia, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Definitely. Where are you calling in from? I, well, I pay rent in New York City, but I'm currently in Virginia. Virginia, is it holiday trip or is like pandemic running away trip? As in, I've been here for a few months now and I will be at least through the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. crazy. You're in Raleigh, right? Yep. Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, but I'm from Northern New Jersey. So I know, uh, the New York city lifestyle and all that stuff and how expensive rent is. And (laughs) so, um, you know what, that makes more sense, uh, for our listeners who also see the video, I can see you have like some family photos behind you and stuff. So I think that's kind of, (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, she loves her family. Oh, look at I that. Do. Like your graduation high school picture behind her. <laughs> Definitely highlights is uh, spending time with my family. My nephews were actually down a few uh, weeks ago too, which was a lot of fun. Oh, fun. Well, I cannot wait to start talking about your company, but the first thing we always like to dive into is your personal background. Where are you from? What did you study? What did you want to be? And then how did you end up here as a feminist? <laughs> well, I was born and raised in Yorktown, Virginia, which is where I am right now. Um, and as the daughter of immigrants. So my culture was a really huge part of my upbringing and shaped my path, my ambitions and honestly, my work ethic too. So there was a clear emphasis on education. And if I ever got a 99% on anything at school, I'd come home and my dad would ask, why didn't you get 100%? Um, so I think that that's something that's really driven some of the ambition. Um, I also did Indian classical dance for um, about a decade, which requires a lot of grace and discipline, but I've been five, six since I was in fifth grade. Um, and so I was literally towering over a lot of these other petite um, South Asian girls. And so I would get yelled at a lot, quite frankly, for not getting low enough, not bending my knees enough, you know, something or another. And I truly believe that's how I started developing grit as well. Yes. And I still have such a passion for dance, um, even through all of that. <laughs> Um, your parents immigrated from India. Yes, they did. Yeah, correct. Okay. Both of my parents. Yeah, I guess I should have mentioned that, but <laughs> just because um, people will hear your voice and maybe not know where. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So they did uh, immigrate here from India. And even growing up, we used to go there um, every couple of years. So that definitely drives a lot of my value for culture, uh, my pride for my culture, too. Um, and I think that that's something that has been a, a thread throughout my life also. But then also one of the things that I, I love is that growing up in Virginia, I could probably count the number of Indian kids in my class on one hand, but I never actually felt different. Um, and I think that my world's really just melded pretty nicely. Like mm -hmm. I have an older brother and that definitely led me into sports. So I was captain of my basketball and high basketball and soccer team in high school. Um, and everything just kind of, you know, it was this world, that world, but they all just came together pretty nicely. Um, I know you were also asking like what I studied, all of that stuff. So when I went to undergrad, I actually went in thinking I was going to be a doctor. Um, so I studied neuroscience. I was building artificial arteries as part of my thesis. I even took the MCAT, <laughs> uh, but to my mother's dismay, I ended up going down the business route. Um, and part of that actually came because when I went to undergrad I really wanted to have some new experiences and that's how really where I found people who were driven and learned what drove me as well so I got involved with class council and student council which ultimately led me to starting a business to solve um, problems that some of my classmates faced so that's really what got me into the business world and from there I went into consulting um, went to business school which is where I met my now co-founders and I'm happy to share more about that as we go on too. Oh my gosh, what a good story. So I just want to, because we do have a lot of um, current founders and aspiring entrepreneurs that listen. Yeah. So many of us like had a really tough upbringing. I'm not saying that yours was bad or, you know, not good. 
but like experiencing adversity, whether that is, I come from another culture and I'm living in this other country, you know, or I was taller than all my peers for years, or, you know, I have these expectations put on me. One of the things that I experienced growing up um, was, and my mom didn't mean for this to happen. I don't think anyways, but you know, yeah. my whole life she'd always say, oh, Brett, you know, I think you're perfect. You know, I think you're perfect. And like, that was just her way of like saying, I love you. Like you're wonderful. But like, I really internalized that shit. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, my mom thinks I'm perfect. And if I'm not, I'll disappoint what she thinks of me. Like, I never really totally articulated that till I was in counseling as an adult and realized like, oh, that's why I have perfectionist issues. But so many of us founders like had to persevere. We had to come over something. We had to learn what grit was. We had to learn, you know, uh, how to just get to the top of the pile. Yeah. It's one of those things where I also didn't realize that that was something that was so internalized until I got older. And yeah. And I started just talking about it. And the fact that that's something that always comes up for me, it clearly leaves an impression. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, um, I'm really grateful that we have turned it into positives and I hope, (laughs) uh, for you, like myself, I have definitely toned it down a little bit in terms of like, I actually have this little sign on my desk. It says you are pre-approved. So like, (laughs) <laughs> so you don't have to do anything in order to get approval. You're pre-approved, girl. So um, let's talk about your company, Avia. Sure. So what is Avia? When did you start it? What does it do? Yeah, sure. So Avia is a customer-loved hormone health brand. Um, one thing I want to just emphasize to start is that Avia really is for anyone with a uterus, regardless of pronouns, regardless of how you identify, we do aim to be very inclusive. Um, but I think what'll be helpful is for me to just start with even what hormone health is since yeah, is that term health? raises an eyebrow or two. Yeah. Um, and in fact, we found that about 98 to 99% of people don't realize actually that their reproductive hormones impact more than their period and their fertility. So really what it is, is that if you have a uterus and you have um, these other reproductive hormones, basically, um, typically you have an average cycle that's about 21 to 35 days. And depending on where you are in that cycle, so it doesn't even have to be just around your period or right before your period, it actually impacts a lot of your day to day. So there's specific and each person is different, but there are specific times where it these three to six days are when you're likely to have a lower quality of sleep. These two to four days are when you're likely to have better muscle toning. And as I said, I was, uh, I played sports in high school. I would have had my teams trained so differently if I would have known that, right? Oh, yeah. Energy levels, mood, you name it. And so what we're really doing is we're helping people understand that, but then also make the most of that. So what Avia does is we really, we have um, three big pillars, which is um, technology, community, and education. Mm -hmm. And so the Avia app itself within there, you track um, different health indicators. This could be things from your mood to your period to um, sex drive. We pull in some things from Apple Health automatically. We then visualize those for you so you can see, okay, these are the three days when I have the highest energy. These are the two days when I have the most anxiety. Is it an app version? Yeah, in the app, correct. It's on the app store. 
And then you receive personalized insights and personalized plans. So it could be because these are the three days that typically you have the highest energy, here's what you can do to take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Or these are the two days when you have the most anxiety. Here are the things that you can do in order to help reduce that anxiety. So you really can you know, optimize your potential in so many ways throughout your cycle. And then beyond that, you also get to engage in our pretty buzzy community that's both within the app platform itself, as well as um, in events and things like that. And that's where people are sharing memes to sharing stories, asking questions. We have our medical advisors who respond to a lot of those and people find a lot of value in that and have actually told us that there are some friendships that they've made through um, some of our community events that are stronger than some of their other, you know, like in real life um, relationships because they don't feel like they can talk about these things that are really impacting them or really bearing a burden on them. Um, and then last but obviously not least is you also are learning um, about different elements of your health journey. So if we know that you have endometriosis through time, we'll be sending you these like 20 second videos or these short blurbs that help you understand how that's impacting um, what you're tracking or how what you're tracking is impacting that. Um, so that is really like a core piece of what we're doing is this hormone health app. But then the bonus is also that if you're on the birth control pill for any reason at all, which by the way, about 45% of people are not on it for contraception. Um, so we do have a birth control pill smart case and it knows if you've taken your birth control pill by your daily set time, reminds you until you actually take it. So you can't turn it off like those 15 alarms on your phone. Oh <laughs> girl, you've seen my phone. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> mine too <laughs> and then it automatically also records in the app if uh what time you took it so if you're on the go it knows um you know that you can just open swipe open the app and say hey did i take it did i not and it will have there rather than you having to call your doorman rather than you having to call your roommate which is all things that a lot of our members have shared so um i think one other thing that i would share is that we're extremely customer centric mm -hmm. And that is a core piece of what Avia is, how we have built what we have built. And majority of our members are 18 to 25 and we're building with them and for them. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of this comes from my background in the healthcare industry and understanding like what I saw, what I didn't see, what I would have liked to see, which I'd be happy to go into. Um, and I think that that's something that really does it helps us make them a part of the journey and then making sure that this is something that they actually want, they actually need, that they're actually going to use. And what I'll add is that behavior, it's a habit that is hard to undo, right? And we're really helping them build a new behavior. And for Avia, what I've even already shared here, it's really only the second inning. We have so much more to come and we're really excited about that. I have a lot of questions. That's Love like my tagline of my life now. It's my <laughs> questions. <laughs> um, how many people are using your product right now? Um, a couple of thousands. Okay, great. Uh, when did it launch? Um, so technically we are launching coming up at the end of uh, January, but that has been more of as we've been like going through a lot of testing phases. Yeah. 
Yep. Got it. Um, so, you know, this episode's coming out in January. So the big launch is like really coming. It may not, it may even be the week this comes out. Who knows? Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, awesome. And then you're doing hormone health, but does your app come along with a test that tests your hormones at home? Or is it just like a symptom tracker that then you kind of relate to the hormones? Yeah. So great question. We do not have any sort of hormone tests at this point. It is really about just understanding yourself and what's going on to even start. Um, so I, there's actually a story I can share with you. Um, so there, this has happened some some variation of this has happened with a lot of our members, but uh, one of our members, for example, she, uh, for the last year and a half has been diagnosed with depression. Mm -hmm. So that's something that's like an everyday thing. She was on a 16 day half-life medication for it. And, you know, when she would go to the to her doctor, she'd say like, I'm always depressed. And rightfully so it's something that's so overpowering. Um, And by using Avia, she realized actually that that's not the case. She realized that there were actually patterns of where she was having these depressive symptoms. And when she went to the doctor, they found out that, or they actually re-diagnosed her to go from having depression to having PMDD, which only, not only, but which means that you have these depressive symptoms during certain parts of your cycle, which is very different, requires different treatment. And also now she has a very different outlook on her own health journey. So the world and the universe is so crazy. Last night, Femtech Focus had an event and we had uh, an attendee that had never come to an event before. And at the end, um, this attendee asked, can we do an episode on PMDD? Oh my gosh. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. And (laughs) we got a little lesson on it, you know, and I was like, yeah, we'll find somebody. So it is so crazy how the universe works now that you're talking about this. Yeah, we have some um, articles within our app and on our blog page about it. It's something that is not under, I mean, like most things in, um, in, women's health or health of people with uteruses. Um, it's something that people don't understand. People don't know there isn't enough research done on it. Oh, never and is. Never is. Also, it's, yeah. And one of the things that I find really fascinating is that we've actually, we work with doctors too, right? To understand like what's going to help them help our members as well. So we obviously, our members are our number one priority, but then we also want to make it powerful for them to be able to work with their doctors and to be able to um, have a better relationship there, get more out of it. And we have a great medical advisory board. And that's where, you know, some of them have actually told us that thinking about the cycle of their hormones is not something that is top of mind when it comes to thinking about diagnosis, when it comes to thinking about um, different different things that could be going on. So my co-founder, for example, she was having ocular migraines, went through a ringer of different types of doctors. She was like literally losing her vision. Yeah. Wow. Um, neurologist looking for eye damage, all of this other things, all these other things. And nobody asked her how regularly are these coming? Oh my God. Tell me it's like when she had her period. It was right before she had her period. Now she knows she needs to eat less junk food around that time and get more sleep. Wow. It is insane. Like the, oh my God. Like it's insane. It's insane. Like I can't, 
Oh my gosh. Um, okay. I have a few more questions before I get too sidetracked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what about women with irregular periods or if they, um, uh, I'm personally on a birth control where I don't even have a period. So are my mm-hmm. hormones still cycling, even if I don't have it? So it really depends on what type of, um, so I'm, I want to preface this with, I'm not a medical professional, uh, (laughs) but I will say that based off of my research and my understanding from learning from our medical advisors is that it depends on what type of, um, birth control you're on. Right. So if you are taking a hormonal birth control pill, um, if it's a pill, then it actually changes the way that your hormones are are throughout the month, they're trying to actually stay in an equilibrium, but that actually makes it more the reason why you have to take it every day at the same time, because you don't want your hormones to be peaking and valley, like having these peaks and valleys, um, because then that's actually impacting everything else from your sleep to mental health, to energy and stuff like that. Um, so it really does depend. And we do have some blog posts about this. I'm happy to share some more on that. Um, and then what was the question that you asked right before that? Um, if you have irregular periods, is that going to mess up all the data in the app? That's how we'll start to learn more, right? Um, There's actually like one of the things that we've learned through, you know, doing analysis of some of the aggregate information is that there isn't really like a regular period. They're supposed to quote unquote come every like 21 to 35 days and supposed to be that everyone's like on a 21 day cycle or a 35 day cycle, but that's just not the case. So that's something that we can help you understand. We can help you work through and then help you work with your doctor better. A big part of it is just knowing like what to present and what to, what questions to ask. Right. Because part of it becomes you go there and you freeze up and you're like, wait, what did happen? Or (laughs) you don't know what kind of questions to ask because one of the questions is, is your period regular? What is a regular period? Yeah. So let me just show you my data. And that's something that we've had a lot of our members come back. Yeah. We've had a lot of our members come back and say, Hey, my doctor wants this in her office. Like, can I get some pamphlets? Or the doctors themselves reaching out to us because they're seeing how big of a difference it's making. Yep, totally. Um, I apologize for uh, any background noise of the leaf blower. Can you hear it on your end? I can't even hear it. <laughs> oh, awesome. Awesome. It's literally raining outside and they're leaf blowing. It's You're the too. craziest thing. I'm like, this is not, that's whatever. That's stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm like, don't you know I'm talking about vulvas on record over here? Like, this is really important, y'all. Cannot be disrupting me. <laughs> You're really disrupting me with your leaf blower. Uh, I, and I, I had a few comments about like the way that you're building your femtech company because we see this again and again and again as a trend, which is yeah. it's oftentimes a technology paired with a community paired yeah. with education. Literally every time. It's so crazy. Like, and, and, and no offense to the founders that think like maybe they thought they were the first one to do this, but it's just a very typical femtech trend because we are oftentimes innovating in things where women feel isolated. And so a great asset is the community. And we're usually innovating in something that women don't even know, like that this is associated with their uterus, you know, and so there's a lot of education. So it just continues to happen like that. So let me let, tell you you're on the right track for a successful company (laughs) because they all the successful ones have those pieces and the other part that I love that you're doing which is um kind of a uh 
founder, you know, preference, which is um, that you're building your company in public, right? So Mm -hmm. like you are asking the consumer, hey, we're building this together, you know, like tell me what's not working. And there's some founders that take the strategy of like, I want to make this perfect and then let the customer know what it is. And then there's a, I I take this strategy like you, where it's like, hey, I'm just some lady who's like trying to do cool stuff. Like, do you want to help me? Like take this survey, take this poll. Like, what do you think, you know? Absolutely. And that's one of the things that we really think is what's making our customers stay Mm -hmm. and making them want to tell their friends, right? So um, I actually, so I know we'll probably get into this of like, you actually asked this, like, why did I even start this company? But um, part of it was personal, part of it professional. And from the professional side, which this could be its own podcast, honestly, but really there was this gap from my, when I was doing my research, from when I was working in this big healthcare companies of not having that lens as much, you know, of like, what is it that the customer wants? What is it that their pain point is? And how are we going to solve that in a way that's actually going to work for them? Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think is so important because at the end of the day, what's the point of building something that nobody wants and nobody's going yeah. to use yeah. and also like kind of gets the job done, but doesn't really. That's um, entrepreneurship that's been, one-on-one right there. Exactly. <laughs> and also our demographic loves being part of the journey. There was one time we try to do more of one-on-one like phone calls or chats and stuff, but sometimes we do send out surveys. And one time we sent out a pretty long survey, which I think took about, I mean, by pretty long. I mean, like it took five minutes to um, fill out. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Within the first seven minutes, we had over a hundred (gasps) responses. Yeah. That's an engaged community. Exactly. That's so important. Yeah. Amazing. I was just going to add that. I think it's because they know that we want them to know what's going on with them. We want them to be educated. We want them to be part of this journey. We want them to know that they're not alone and they feel that from us. They've, we've really built kind of that level of trust where they're like, okay, here, let me help. And here, let me share what's going to be the best for not just me, but for this community in general. Yeah. Well, I saw you recently launched something called the Hormonoscope campaign. What is that? That sounds fun. Oh my gosh. It was so fun. It's actually something we're continuing. And seriously, since you're saying that you saw it, um, just a quick, um, like one-liner for those who are listening. Our Hormonoscope campaign was something we launched on TikTok and on Instagram, primarily TikTok, and then some things repurposed on Instagram. But basically, if you search the hashtag Hormonoscope, so it's kind of exactly how it sounds, um, you'll see videos from different artists um, who are really taking the hormone cycle and they're interpreting it in different ways and how it impacts them and putting it into art. So for some people that was photography, for some people that was paintings, for some people um, that was makeup and it was pretty awesome. Um, Yeah. The videos are pretty amazing themselves. And then also on top of that, the end results are things that people have been asking for as wall hangings, as t-shirts and stuff like that. So we really came up with this because, um, you know, as we were talking about earlier, hormones and hormone health is not something that's necessarily mainstream. It's also something that we're kind of talking about with a hushed voice. We 
think about as um, as something that we might not know as much about or that we, you know, is not something that uh, we're comfortable talking about or as educated about. But we also want that to be something we can start talking about, that we can really um, be part, start the conversation and have people be part of the conversation. I so this wasn't, that. yeah. And that this was really a way for us to start bringing it into the limelight with a playoff of horoscopes, mm -hmm. which 43% of um, Gen Z actually does refer to horoscopes as a way to um, think about what's going on in their life and yeah. things like that. And so how do we kind of put a playful twist on it and then also help it be something that encourages conversation, but also education. So through the art, you're getting a sense for what those cycles are and how everybody's stories really are different. Each person's cocktail of hormones, you really is a unique cocktail of hormones, how it impacts them really is unique. And then how they share their story is that much more powerful. Yeah. And then just seeing in the comments, like what that was like was awesome. You know, I'm a scientist. So something that really motivates me is like graphs, which to an artist is like the most boring thing they've ever <laughs> had in their life. Right. And so like maybe the most inspiring thing to an artist is like somebody's, you know, wig interpretation and their drag makeup interpretation of their period, you know, like, yes. um, I'm also a really big fan of like, uh, we need to shift visuals of women's health. Oh so God. the visuals of sex come from porn. And so we need to get new visuals about like what women's bodies actually look like, what vulvas actually look like. We need to shift the uh, the image of what periods look like they, we are, it is not blue alien blood on, it is red blood, you know, like we need to shift the image of, uh, you know, woman coming home with their baby being the most peaceful, beautiful thing. Oh and actually she can't fucking walk. She's got like stitches up her butt, you know, she's got like, she's bleeding everywhere. Her boobs have are rocked hard because the ducks are blocked. Like that's the real image, right? Like that's the real photography image of what that looks like. So we, um, until we shift that paradigm, every woman that's in that normal experience is going to think she's the only one. Right. And that's the problem. And yeah. we actually hear that in our community so much. And that's actually why we started um, building out community faster. It actually uh, is because we started hearing from people of like, oh, I don't know anybody else with PCOS. It must be just me. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> you know, that's just not acceptable to me that you can be diagnosed with this, leave your doctor's office and think that, oh, I'm the only person and therefore I don't want to talk to anybody about it. I'm ashamed by it. I think that this means that I can never have kids. Like all these things where we're like, okay, we need to start putting people together who understand they're these things that they, they're going through. And that's why a lot of these um, people in our community have said that they built such strong relationships. And I think that's something that's really powerful. It's so powerful. It is so powerful. I um, luckily knock on wood, like my reproductive system, pretty good. Like <laughs> they really, it's not great. Like everything's just kind of goes according to plan. But for me, I've struggled with mental wellness my whole mm -hmm. life. And I can remember in high school and college, you know, seeing people at the podium and they never brought up PTSD or anxiety. And I would always internalize, 
I'll never be able to get up there because people like me never get up there. And oh then I eventually realized, no, 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 no. They are totally <laughs> messed up. They're just not sharing it. And so yeah. I really took this stance of like, when I get to the podium, right. And now I'm invited to speak at things around the world, blah, blah, blah. Amazing. Now I'm able to say like, oh yeah, like my anxiety or my therapist or my PTSD and, you know, and I, my goal is to let everybody else out there that thinks like, oh, I have this mental illness thing. I will never be at that podium. No, 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 no. You will. You can't. I applaud that so much because that's something that is so important. I actually take a similar stance now where if any, you know, if I, I, I try extra hard to be extra vulnerable. Yeah. At the end of the day that some of the things that I realize I'm being quote unquote vulnerable about, I'm like, this is just life. Like, why do I feel like (laughs) this is me being vulnerable? And I remember in business school when, um, we were, when I was, you know, just getting started on this company, I too was like using a hushed voice when I would say like, period. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had to kind of like shock myself out of it, quite frankly. So I would get to class some days. And even if I wasn't on my period, I would put a tampon on my desk. Oh, I love that. Yeah. You know, just like these things so that I had to also change my own. I mean, yeah. I come from an Indian background. We yeah. can, that's again, a whole nother podcast. Cultural, yeah. cultural yeah. differences about one time I, um, I know hormones aren't just periods and tampons, mm-hmm. but because we're on this uh, story that's coming up for me is that I was coming, this was like years ago now but I was going somewhere with my parents we were on a trip and um I asked my parents like hey can we stop at CVS real quick Mm -hmm. and my dad's like oh what do you need I said oh I just need some tampons I think it took us like six hours to get to where we were going from there as soon as we got there and my dad was no longer in front of us my mom's like why did you talk about tampons in front of dad and I was like I'm sorry what (laughs) Yeah. You waited six hours so quietly about this. And that was the first thing you wanted to bring up. Anyways, that's, uh, we'll go completely off topic if we keep talking about that. But that's something that I now really embrace is just sharing my own story and um, also things that I think are being vulnerable, whether it's with mental health, whether it's with um, having a writer's block sometimes, like things like that, and hoping that it encourages people. And I think that that's also so important. One of my like life goals is around just setting an example for the future generations. Mm -hmm. So first of all, if I look at entrepreneurs, there aren't as many South Asian female entrepreneurs for me to look out to, or even if I Google it. And so what about the next generations? And is this something that I can help to, you know, have an impact on um, people who are not just saying like, oh, I can now one day become vice president, Mm -hmm. but now also I can start and run my own company. That's right. Um, I think that that's so important. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I mean, we could go on. We, I got to get you back on for like a, a cultural women's health, cultural thing. That's because we can keep going. I want to ask you about your uh, smart birth control case. Oh, so yeah. It's super sexy. Um, very cool. And, you know, uh, let me bring up what you said earlier, which is like, it's really important to take your birth control hormones, you mm-hmm. know, at the same time so that you're like cycling, cycling at the same time every day. But like, how do you have any statistics about like how often women are missing it or not taking it at the right time? Mm-hmm. Is it really a big issue? And like, what yeah. are the other consequences of it? 
Why do you Absolutely. need a birth control case? Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. This I could talk about forever. So um, <laughs> medication adherence in general, more broadly, is actually like billions of dollar problem in the U.S. alone. Uh-huh. Um, I actually worked on this for some clients while I was in consulting. And it's just something that is mind blowing. But sticking taking compl- like compliance of take, is it like that they, they, they don't take it or they take too much or they're taking it at the wrong don't time? Take, if they're not taking it, not refilling it, things Got like it. that. Right. And so sticking to the birth control pill, cause obviously we, yeah. it, I know we can get sidetracked here, but um, <laughs> for the birth control pill specifically, the average person misses, not even just takes late 20% of their pills every month, every month average. And that (laughs) I'm over here pulling my hair y'all. Exactly. Like that. And like, here's another thing that's going to make you pull your hair out a little bit harder is that inconsistent use of the birth control pill leads to a million, 1 million unintended pregnancies every year in the U S alone. Yeah. And just to put that into perspective, there's only 4 million births in the U.S. every year. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> listeners, my hands are covering my face right now. Yes. And I and think the big thing like- to recognize is that contraception also isn't the only thing that like either you're protected or not because you're you're not taking it right because your hormones also impact so much more of your livelihood everything from cognitive function to how you're processing emotion to sleep you know you name it Mm -hmm. by not taking the pill on time also you're impacting all of those things and so that's something that it's it was so important to get one of those things under control, right? So that's why we have this smart case. It has patented sensor technology in it. It knows if you've taken it and reminds you until you actually do. And we've seen incredible results where people are about over 60% more confident in how they're taking the pill. And then also um, more than 30% less stressed. Oh my God. Well, this, I mean, just, just blowing my mind. Um, <laughs> it's blowing my mind. Yeah. There, um, you know, I've, I've shared on the show before I was in between pills and, mm-hmm. and uh, at one point got pregnant and, mm-hmm. you know, ended up terminating that pregnancy because it mm-hmm. was not the right time. And it yeah. was, it was unplanned simply because I was changing birth control pills. Right. And so like that, the, even if you're with the pill, like the pregnancy stuff could still happen depending on what you're working on and where you're at with it. But I, I do take my pill really regularly. I've been on it since I was 13. Cause I had a, a cyst on my ovary that yeah. I had surgically removed mm-hmm. So at 13. It wasn't because of sex or, yeah. you know, it was because of these exactly. issues, right? So many um, people take it for more than just contraception and people yeah. don't realize that. Yeah. And so, I mean, I've gotten really, really good at just taking it, you know, when I brush my teeth, you know, and so, because it's been like literally almost, I can almost say decades, you know, Um, but wow, I didn't realize that the, the number of births or pregnancies that occur, I mean, wow. Okay. So you said birth. So I wonder if there's actually even more pregnancies like mine that we're you know, right. So the 1 million unintended pregnancies, typically of those about 42% of them, uh, do result 
term, like they're terminated uh-huh. because they're unplanned or unintended yeah. themselves. And then from there, there's a mix of how many are in each year. It's a little bit different of how many are miscarriage or, you know, um, of miscarriages and then how many are actual births. Yeah. Wow. Well, I thought, well, that's such a cute little pill case, smart pill case. It's sexy. It's cool. Like I'm sure there's people that want cool things. And now I'm like, oh my God, no, this is a major health need. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's like the perfect way to put it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, this has been seriously so fun talking to you. I think we're going to be girlfriends because I love uh, this. Let's just FaceTime at night and talk about how we have all of these the world. Um, we do have two last questions that our listeners love. The first one is we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs. We have a lot of university and graduate students or people questioning their career. What is an area in women's health and wellness that still needs innovating? Ooh, honestly, all of them. <laughs> um, I, a lot of this work is still in its infancy stage. Um, and I'm sure you know this, and a lot of them know that, that historically only about 20% of clinical trials are done uh, with people who identify as women. And that too, usually not people who look like me. Um, and that means that our fluctuating hormones and potential pregnancies and things like that are just not considered in developing health services and medications, um, interventions, things like that. And a lot of times intentionally, because um, actually it was quoted once that they called it the pesky hormones. Um, anyways, <laughs> it's half the population. So that means we have incredible health gap, but um, hormones fluctuating is normal Mm -hmm. and hormonal is human. And so it's imperative that these differences are really considered. So I will highlight two specific areas though. One is heart health. Um, Heart disease is the leading cause um, of death in people with uteruses worldwide. But again, research is not usually conducted on them. I also have some personal ties to it. And some of my undergrad research was on that. Um, And then two is also care that's designed specifically for the LGBTQ communities and other minority communities. Um, So studies have really shown the um, how these individuals face such significant barriers and discrimination in the U.S. health system. And similar to how I wish femtech didn't need to be a concept uh, within the larger <laughs> umbrella of femtech, we yeah. still need to care for LGBTQ yeah. and minority communities yeah. until it can all just be constituted as health and tech, hopefully in the near future. And listeners, if this is something that does inspire you, uh, probably, you know, when this episode comes out, probably three weeks ago, we posted a trans women's health Mm -hmm. and we went through, here's a trans woman's experience and here's a cis woman's experience. And oh my gosh, look how many health problems overlap, you know, and that's why we need to care. Femtech needs to be addressing trans women's health as well. Right. Absolutely. Thank Um, you, And then uh, just quick comment on the clinical trials thing. Um, it, mm-hmm. Listeners, y'all should follow me at Dr. Brittany Barreto, Dr. Uh, Brittany Barreto, because I went on a rant the other day because this whole COVID-19 vaccine stuff, I'm pro-vaccine, get the vaccine <laughs> now, vaccines are awesome, but everywhere they're just saying, and if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, talk to your doctor. And so I've been on face, I've been like on live stream, been like, 
doctors. What do you know that the rest of us don't? Like, no. it seems like it's a cop out that the news, the pharma, they're just like, well, just ask your doctor. We don't know about this pesky hormone things. Like, oh gosh. No, like, and then they even said, they even said, and we'll find out what it does to fertility or, or pregnancy because there's women that are getting it now, the vaccine now that don't know they're pregnant. And then, so we'll find out. And I'm like, under so what medical code is that acceptable? Like, well, we'll find out in nine months. I'm like, oh my God. Right? Okay. okay. I, this is literally a whole rant we could go on together. I feel like maybe we should talk after this because I know, I know. I have so many thoughts and so many things to say. Our last question is what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? Um, I think that one's simple. It's just more people who care about the end user and was willing to design for them and with them. Awesome. I love it. This has been seriously so fun. I'm going to FaceTime you at night when Can't I'm wait. stewing in my like <laughs> women's health inequality ranting. Uh, so much fun. Thank you so much for what you do. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you for listening to my interview with Agia Mother, co-founder and CEO of Avia. Remember when we were discussing building your company in the public eye? What do you think about that? Who's listening right now that is doing the same thing? Who's listening right now and is getting anxious just thinking about showing the world your product before it is perfect? It's really interesting to hear both sides of the strategy. I want to hear what you're working on. Join me on Femtech Focus's virtual community and book office hours with me and tell me where you're at in your entrepreneurial journey. Speaking of meeting with me, our next listening party is tonight, Monday, January 25th at 8 p.m. Eastern in collaboration with Cooper's Crossroad. We're listening to my interview with Blythe Caro on PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder, and her incredible innovation to help the symptoms. Additionally, on Wednesday the 27th at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, I'm hosting our next Femtech Fundamentals webinar, which is a bi-weekly series for Femtech founders to build, launch, and succeed. In this workshop, I'll be covering the essential elements of a pitch deck. This will be a 30-minute webinar followed by 30 minutes of Q&A, so come ready with your questions. You can register for the listening parties and Femtech Fundamentals on our website, femtechfocus.org. While there, you can join our virtual community, subscribe to our newsletter, and follow us on social media. We've also recently created a Clubhouse room. If you know what I'm talking about with Clubhouse, then definitely give our club uh, a follow. Become a member of our group because we're going to be hosting a lot of events there too. Last but not least, please show us some love by setting up a recurring donation on our website. Femtech Focus is a nonprofit and depends on your contributions to operate. Thank you. And until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.